Hey Changemakers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrilow and I have a great guest lined up for you today. Now this podcast is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, sharing tools and resources, and sometimes we're going to be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. But before I introduce today's guest, I have one request. Would you be willing to go to iTunes or whatever app it is that you're listening to, subscribe and leave a rating and review? It is so very helpful to us. It enables the algorithms to find us. It actually helps people find our community and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. It's a small thing, but it would mean so much to us. So thank you. So let me ask you, are you ready to be inspired? Because today, our guest on the podcast is Karen Morrissey. Now, Karen is the founder of Awakened Forgiveness. She is a visionary, mentor, and speaker committed to awakening humanity to empower forgiveness and heal generational pain. Her passion is to share the inspiration, wisdom, gratitude, and hope that she found after a year-long resonant conversation with her soul to understand decades of profound loss. She helps others navigate the emotional, mental, and spiritual residue of generational grief, empowers forgiveness and healing to make a difference in their life and the world. She's also volunteered with UNHRC, Amnesty International, Habitat for Humanity, Food for the Poor, One Voice of Peace, and Kids Creating Peace. So let me welcome Karen. Karen, welcome. Thank you, Jane. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm excited about our conversation. Now, we have chosen a title for today. It's called Healing Generational Grief and Trauma with Awakened Forgiveness. Mm. So I just read out your bio for all of the listeners, Karen, and I'd, I'd love you to just, you know, take us a little bit behind the scenes of the professional bio and tell us a little bit about the woman. Ah, the woman. Yes, the woman. Um, so I, uh, I would say that I, I, well, here I am. I'm a woman who really has always honored meaningful conversation, meaningful conversation with family, with friends. Um, and I've had, you know, thousands of conversations with women over the years. And many of them have been conversations on, um, their grief and pain. Hmm. And, uh, I, so I could share with you that I am a woman who desires to create a transparent opening for conversation on suppressed pain and trauma as it's associated with um, generational, generational grief. And mm. humanity habitually hasn't processed pain. Uh, we're seeing it, it uh, today um, played through in, in our um, uh, news on a daily basis. It's archived it rather than released it. And uh, I've always considered myself a helper, a helper in and uh, to anyone that needed uh, assistance in um, with pain, 
and with healing. Mm-hmm. I've been many things in my life, as you've just read, but most importantly, uh, I'm a soul guide uh, and an intuitive, yes, but someone who has come on the planet uh, at this point in time to assist for planetary change. And uh, I'm a sacred vessel to do that. Mm-hmm. And that may, many may not understand that, but uh, I think uh, in part as we ride the arc over the next uh, several years of, of change in society, they will. Mm. Yes, and I, I can't think of a better time for you to be starting these conversations around grief and trauma and awakened forgiveness because right now in the world it seems to me there's a lot of that circulating around Mm -hmm. so um, I think it's you know it's a very timely conversation but I'd love to really start with you in a in a place where in a way it's a, a little bit I suppose personal this question which is you know, there's not a lot of conversations in our world about grief, about trauma. So, you know, what what was it in your life that brought this to the forefront that really made this a passion of yours? Well, what it was in my life was um, my childhood was bliss and sorrow. And there was a significant part of me that always lived in unknown territory. And uh, this is because my mother was, uh, my mother suffered generational pain and trauma Mm. and her safety was alcohol as an elixir. Mm. And when I was, um, why in the uh, second grade, um, my mother had her first, uh, breakdown and it was a self detox and she would have, uh, five more, five uh, additional before uh, she passed. So my childhood was, I was always navigating the unexpected, which to me was grief and pain and shame and deep sorrow and holding it back and suppressing my feelings and emotions. That became normal for me. And because of it, uh, I hijacked my child. It was hijacked. And as as I've I've come to uh, define it, And every day that I attempted to live in the present, there was always a memory that would surface. So the pain I postponed to review because I didn't understand it, I couldn't uh, digest it, I couldn't live that way anymore. And the catalyst for that was when my husband died, my attention, it was fragmented uh, for so long with regard to this pain, this trauma, And my fear and uncertainty around it was amplified then. But I paid attention to where it was coming from. And it was coming from a brokenheartedness. Mm. And that brokenheartedness, I realized, was the same as I had with my mother. But at that time, I was so young, I didn't understand it. So that is when I took a deep dive into... Um, and I, I share it as an invitation to review the grief that I navigated in my life. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, as you started to pay attention and you started to review the grief in your life, I mean, what did you notice? I noticed that uh, an expression of helplessness. I noticed that I didn't know 
when I, paid, I, I navigated the grief, I didn't know how to resource um, anyone uh, during in my youth and even in my adult life. Grief is something that we speak of, but not in the sense of, we think grief is as, as overall society when someone passes, right? When someone mm -hmm. dies, this is what we associate grief with. But grief is so much more. Grief is the, the wounds that we navigate. It may be um, a really uh, bitter divorce. It may be uh, when someone is adopted and they have a grief that they hold within them, an abandonment, uh, emotional, uh, traumatic emotional abuse, emotional trauma, uh, a, if someone has been abused at childhood, in childhood, um, this is all part of a grief that we carry. And no one speaks of this type of grief or this aspect mm. of our grief. So most, and quite frankly, most people's demise, as it was with mine, with grief, comes when they're sitting alone in their pain. And, uh, and we could sit alone in our pain and grieve in a room full of people in a loving, in a partner's arms, or with a tribe of soul friends, we could still be holding grief, which many of us, if not a majority of the society, as we do. Yeah. And you know, as, as you're speaking to that, I'm thinking of moments in my life where I've either been grieving or I've been around people who are, and I've noticed it. And it's, it's almost like there's certainly as I look back to my younger years, there was a lot of discomfort around grief of not knowing what to say or, or how to be in relationship with someone who's going through that level of trauma. And I, I just wonder, you know, like, um, kind of, it's, it's not always a welcome conversation. So I mm. wonder as you step into this and as you've navigated it yourself, you know, how, how was it or what did you find that, that really helped during that time, I guess? Well, what I found was um, I, we, uh, I'd like to share this. We invest externally on so much, right? Yes. We invest so much. And, and most of the times when we invest externally, we're, we're looking for um, something that is, you know, if we have a bigger house, if we have a certain type of car, if we have, we're always looking to invest in something. And I think that in uh, what I've found is, you know, what are we looking at that's not good enough, that still isn't there? And what grief did for me is it left me with a hole in my soul that needed to be filled. Right. And what I looked for that is I looked I the forgiveness journey for me began with allowing myself to be a witness to not only my pain, but my mother's pain and right. the turmoil inside that no one helps you with and uh, to take a to take a look at it. And how yeah. can you recognize the pain of a child? This is what I the my aha moment with my mother was if you can't articulate your own. It's not that I wasn't loved. Oh, I was dearly loved. I had a, I had a really rich childhood. Uh, my mother was the salt of the earth, you know? But you can't recognize the pain of someone if you can't articulate your own. And when you can't love yourself, 
which is, was the situation with my mother. You couldn't understand how to identify or grasp the pain of another. Right. So in that regard, my mother just loved. That was the difference. Mm -hmm. And no one spoke of the grief. And those were my aha moments that led me to, to begin to uncover how I carried grief, my grief, to all aspects of my life. And I love what you're speaking to there because, you know, what I'm hearing you say is almost that, you know, you, we need to do our own kind of self-discovery around grief before we can fully understand the grief that somebody else is holding. Is that right? Did I pick oh, that up right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we need to, and, and our own pain, we really have to, to begin to have a meaningful conversation about the imprints of pain and our ancestral pain. And because humanity habitually has not processed pain, they've archived yes. it rather than released it. And right. it's layered and it really gets in our bones. Yeah. And we, we, so it's creating that transparent opening. This is what in, in part in awakened forgiveness is for the conversation on suppressed pain and trauma that's associated with generational grief. Yeah. And again, I'm going to come to this place where when, when you said like, we need to process our pain, like, well, I hear that in my head cognitively. And I think, yeah, of course we do. That makes sense. And then as I bring my attention down to my heart, I can feel my heart also saying yes, but in my heart, there's also fear that kind of comes up. It's interesting because it's almost like, yeah, I know I need to process my pain, but isn't that going to be a horrid thing for me to have to do? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, and I'm speaking to it here because yes, yes. I'm sure there's other listeners that are thinking, well, yeah, I know that's probably a good thing to do, but really, like, really? Like, oh, oh my goodness. And I, I, I share, you know, pain doesn't come with an oversized box of Band-Aids. It really doesn't. It doesn't. It really doesn't come with an oversized box of Band-Aids. Right. But we can be so creative with our veils of pain. Yes. And to un, we all will have the unexpected in our life. And a part of that unexpected will be pain and trauma. It will be yeah. sorrow and suffering. It will be yeah. grief right and we but we also can hold that when we hold it we create those the veils of pain we recreate them again and again yeah. so when you break through the pain and suffering it's not only heart opening it's eye opening and it's soul opening yeah yeah i feel that as you're speaking it's so funny yes. because you know part of this conversation we're having here is around things that when I think personally about it, you know, and certainly back into my childhood and my younger years, and even to a certain extent today, right? So I'll be really honest and say, even today, these are things I move away from in my life. They're like things that I, I don't necessarily feel completely comfortable being in open relationship with. And I've done inner work and I, you know, I've processed a lot of stuff let's say but there's always more that's what it feels like there's always another layer to the onion and so I just wonder is this something that we all do we all kind of try and move away from these 
you know, things that we, we categorize, I suppose, as negative a little bit, like sorrow, suffering, pain, trauma, grief, all these things, they're not things that we wake up one day and think, okay, today, today I'm going to grieve like fully, because it's just not accepted, is it, in our culture? No, no, it's not. It's not. And it's something that many of us, as if I, and, and I will go I, so far as to say, majority of us, because we all carry mm. pain. We yeah. all are. No one, we're all perfectly imperfect. Right. You know, one thing about grief, one thing about is that it will always be, there will always be aspects of grief. But the more we allow, uh, we open to allowing ourselves the opportunity to pay attention to it, to yeah. pay attention to what we don't understand and navigate the not so comfortable, the unknown territory, the more we can attract the light of healing you know, the more we grow our souls. And essentially, I, we're, we're here to grow our souls. We've come on this earth. It's, and right now, I, I, have, I know I've come. I've chosen this time. Isn't it exciting? I'm, I'm really excited to be here at this point in time of this tremendous change in our planet because we've, I've chosen to be here. But the soul, the journey of the soul and the journey of us is, is a gritty one. It's raw, it's real, it's mysterious, it's, and it's ever-changing. And in any given day, we can encounter bliss and, and sorrow and despair and light on and every given day. Getting back to the healing, so there's always a place to heal. When we look at healing from the perspective of wherever we are, we can step into it, wherever we are. It's mm -hmm. sharing our story. Although it's, it's really, it's, 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 it's a vulnerable place to be and it's courageous to be vulnerable. But when we share our story, it only, it not only, that's what I learned about my story. And when I shared uh, in the beginning, when I sat with so many, everyone I've sat with or I've talked to, whether it's sitting on a, a, uh, uh, an air next to someone on the on an airplane or at a social event or a dear friend that I've known for years that I when I shared a part of my story they said oh my god I didn't know that about you mm. and that happened to me too in in part there's always a thread of our stories because in someone else's story we're, we're just you know we're one beautiful tapestry so sharing our story has an impact and the impact holds all the answers. That's what the healing is about to your questions. So a good way to start is when you're looking at something uh, such as uh, um, unraveling your pain to say, mm -hmm. hmm, why did this happen? I wonder why this happened. And yet, why am I still carrying it with me? Yeah. How do I heal? So that's a really good start. Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me as you speak it in that way. And I love how you're talking about story and the, the threads of our stories and how we, we kind of find us ourselves. I know I do this a lot. I find myself in other people's stories. And, and in some ways that can give me clarity in my own sense of relationship with myself and my my own, like I, I tend to think of some of this work as shadow work really is looking at the pieces of myself that feel a little more broken, a little more 
not what I would like them to be. Let's put it that way. And it's not that I, I feel that I need to be fixed in any way. It's more that I just need to be in relationship with the whole of me, <laughs> if that makes sense. And oh. so I love how you speak to it, Karen, because that's, I feel that's what you're talking about being in relationship with. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Because um, let, let's take, for instance, I, I will share a part of my story that was so significant, but it was debilitating was the shame in my story. Yeah. I, you know, and that was a massive wound for me, but it was so revelatory to me that I knew I had to digest the undigested part of that aspect of my life. Mm. And that was really painful. And I know that there are millions of men and women that, that are, carry shame in their story we all do at one point or another have a, a, a you know your my pain is mm -hmm. it might not be but it everything i shared prior in a painful divorce or abandonment as a child or any form of abuse that you've encountered emotional physical or a sexual abuse there's a massive wound there mm -hmm. and so i the shame and the pain and i was holding back because i was afraid I yeah. was really afraid. And it, you know, Jane, I'll tell you something. It never left. It mm. never left. And I was worried. What would people think of me if I came out, you know, w and, and shared this? Would I not be, would it not be acceptable or would I be shamed? Mm. And, you know, I realized that that's exactly what I did with my mom. I protected, I protected yeah. her pain. I protected her shame. And I was a child. I was a child. I didn't, I saw a woman, she was my mommy. She was a woman mm. that I, all I knew, you know, I would think, I would pray to God, I just want my mommy back. I, yeah. what, what happened here? And I was protecting it. And um, it, I was petrified. You know, what if something happened to her? Which it, it, it always, you know, when things happened, and it did. Yeah. So shame, <clears throat> excuse me, creates the person that you don't know. We don't know this, this soul. And even when you attempt to let go, you fixate on, on the shame. You fixate on the, pen, the pain, the parts of our pain, the parts of the grief we fixate on. And I think I shared this with you earlier before we started that we fixate on the black smoke rings as they rise, but we continually wait for the air to get lighter. Right. And it really, it, it doesn't. So mm. it's, um, healing is divine. It really is divine. It's, it's, and what is divine light? It's our filtering system. We forget yeah. this so early on because we yeah. carry everything with us. Yeah. And I think, I think it's interesting when you talk about, we carry all this with us because I think, I think we do. And I know in my work as a coach that I often get to a place with clients where, you know, we, we start to kind of explore pain and trauma in different ways um, and how it's affecting and getting in the way of, of the life they want to lead or the business they want to build. And, and what's really kind of interesting to me is as we, as we go through life and we, you know, we experience more painful experiences we kind of carry them and then that becomes our new normal it's like 
it just keeps, we just keep carrying for some of us heavier and heavier baggage. That's not even ours sometimes to carry. And so I love that you're speaking to this because for many of us, I think there's quite a bit to unpack. <laughs> yes, it, it really is. It, it becomes, I, I, I say it becomes atrophied because right. even when we learn how to release it, which we ultimately at some point do, it becomes, well, and, and some don't because it becomes so painful. Right. This is why I, I really feel, I, this is, I, I feel that the in, this generational grief is the invisible pain on our planet now. Yeah. And, and if I look at the rates of suicide and addiction, right? right? How do we learn? We can't learn to release it. There's, there's leftovers from experience as there yeah. were in mine, that pain, that caught, and that causes such distortion for us. Yes. When people say let go, I say, well, really let go of what? Yeah. It's such a common turn, but it can care, it causes more anguish than we realize because we really don't know what to do with the emotional debris. All yeah. that stuff, all those dark energetic particles, they get trapped in our heart chakra from the abandonment that many of us feel. Um, yeah. and, and we hold from different parts of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sat here and I can feel myself nodding to a, a lot of what you're speaking to. So I just wonder, you know, I think it's a very difficult situation for us if we find ourselves in the presence of someone who's going through some grief and some trauma. I mean, do you have any advice for any listeners of how they can help and support even loved ones, you know, when they're going through something that we tend to like shy away from in culture? We shy away from that in a way, or we say glib things like, you know, just let go, like you said. So I, what I, can we do? I do. And I, share just as I, I didn't have a witness. I had a very mm. loving husband. Uh, he was my soulmate, my partner, my best friend. I have a dear soul tribe, uh, my posse, uh, family. But what I realized is I, when I didn't share who really who I was, what I was holding my pain. And when someone is sharing their pain, the best you can be is a witness to them. Hmm. To, and, in, and being that witness, because when a soul encounters fear and they're in doubt or there's shame, guilt, anger, sorrow, suffering, there's also room, there's also the space, there's always a space of grace, of hope and compassion and empathy, kindness. And um, that is the basis of of uh, the basis of who we are. If we didn't all need each other, we wouldn't be here. So the, the, when you're journeying to be awake at this time, we hear and awakened as this is awakened forgiveness, right? Mm. But as we're, we're becoming awake, this is a, a consciousness of society. So to be awake is to be in service to others. And equanimity is caring for all beings, even those who are suffering. Those who are misunderstood, those who are lost and grieving, angry and confused. So I believe that the best thing you can do is to share your heart and to be a witness. Yeah, that's lovely. And if somebody finds themselves in that space, 
I mean, how do they go about the unpacking that you've spoken to? And I love that you've talked to awakened forgiveness because I have a good sense of forgiveness, but awakened forgiveness feels like it has a different texture to it somehow, different energy with it. So I just wondered if, if, you know, anybody's listening and they're going through some trauma right now, or they're, they're dealing with grief on a daily basis, like what can they do to really Gentle. start to unpack? Yes. What they can do is, uh, is first off, be very gentle with themselves. Yeah. Be really gentle. We, we're, we are not gentle with ourselves. We yeah. blame ourselves. We carry, look at the pain and shame that we carry, right? And part of my grief recovery was breaking the habit that became uncomfortable to me. I stayed silent for decades and um, on the depth of my pain. And because I, I somehow I believed that it was, you know, if I weren't, if I weren't vulnerable, then it would not, you know, what value would it be? I, I wasn't valuable if I didn't share, but to be honest with themselves and also just to be very gentle, right? Because mm-hmm. let's say, let's, for instance, when we have a toothache, right? Well, pain, when I say, our, when your pain is impacted, it hurts, yeah. And and look at what we do when our tooth hurts, right? When we have an impacted, then we immediately, we take, we, we you know, we don't take it. Um, so don't take it yourself for granted. And, and what's available to you with, there are so, with resources that, that are there, that are out there. Be gentle with yourself. And, um, you know, um, when you're uncovering your pain, because you're uncovering to recover you. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, and the other thing that comes up for me somehow in this is, um, you know, as a coach, there's, there's times when um, a client shares trauma and pain. And um, I know there's places I can go to with them. And then there's places that it's not mine to go. It's like they'd be much better with a professional who deals with trauma and pain. So I, I kind of boundary this space a little bit. And I wonder how you feel about, you know, when somebody needs to go to a professional or when they can actually do things by themselves. I wondered where that boundary was. Well, I, I will tell, I, I share with most everybody I meet Mm-hmm. to not to deny themselves the impact of their story. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm deeply sensitive to loss, but I'm also sensitive to love as well. Mm-hmm. And you can't deny one without the other. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. So don't deny yourself the value of what you can uncover from your story. Right. Yeah. And if you're, if as a coach, if you're not comfortable or it comes to the point of, of, um, you know, you, you feel that maybe someone should seek uh, assistance, uh, I, I would share that with them. Uh, I've also found that, you know, um, we, a, a great, a great therapist uh, I have a friend who is a therapist and we, we discussed this and we discussed what I held. And she said, a great therapist, you shouldn't be sitting on the couch for years. 
you know, because if you have something, your pain inside and shame, it's, it's, and you, you can't archive it anymore. It's um, releasing it. It's the most sensible thing that you can do. It really has an impact on our emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. Yeah. I can give you uh, numerous examples of my in that in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's a, it's a very easy boundary to think about because for me, I always, you know, as coaches, we create space and safe space for um, the coaching to take place, the conversations to take place. And for me, I always think of it like as long as my client is in that safe space, then we're fine. We can carry on with the conversation. But there have been times and there's not been many, but there have been times where it's almost like the client has stepped out of that safety space. So, and sometimes I can feel just before they do that they're kind of heading off a cliff. <laughs> and that's where like I'll bring them back into the safe space and, and, and we won't go there yet. So, you know, and, and sometimes we're able to over a number of sessions create that safe space so that they still feel safe. But I always want them to feel that they are the one in control. They set the pace, they set the depth of what we work at. And so I think it's really interesting where you're talking about loss and love and what you can uncover from your story. Cause I think you can uncover a lot. I really do. In my experience working with so many people now, I really do think you can. So oh. let me ask you a challenging question. Cause this is something that I, I just, as you were talking, I looked at our title and I thought, is it possible? Right. And this is what I mean, like healing generational grief and trauma. Is it possible for any of us to fully heal from grief and trauma? And if it is, what does that mean even? Yes. Um, uh, because we're, we're, we're talking to someone. I am. I, I, I could say today that I have fully healed um, from my generational pain and trauma. I'm speaking to you today, and I've shared in the book that I'm uh, I, I currently I've just written um, that I I couldn't have written it from my wounds. My I, I know what my wounds were, and I've shared those. But I'm speaking to, to you today from my scars, and I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory way. Forgiveness was is a wound that was supposed to heal. So the generational pain and trauma that I carried was supposed to heal. The unprocessed pain that burdened my heart transferred to everyone around me in one form or another. So when you heal, who you choose to become can never be taken from you. I'm not that person anymore. I can go back, I can review my life, but I'm with this self and the self who chooses to react today to those experiences. I don't speak of my mother and I, I really never have in a derogatory way. I was saddened. Um, I was, I was frightened, but I don't today. I could see my mother never ever said to me, not once, Karen, here's my pain. You take it. That never happened. And that was revelatory to me when I received that as I was writing. 
So when we understand another's pain, uh, and, and in this instance, we're speaking of generational pain and trauma, I understand that my mother did the best she could with what she had. And that might sound trite. That might sound it's, that's what we, we share, but it isn't. Um, it gave me hope. Uh, so there's hope and heartbreak and there's also healing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the way you answered that because that makes sense to me on one level. And then on another level, I think, wow. Cause in my experience, I don't, I mean, I don't know that I fully healed yet. Maybe I will feel complete in, in some point in the future, but it, it really is for me like unpacking the onion and there's always another layer <laughs> and another <laughs> layer. It doesn't matter how many retreats I go on, how much inner work I do. There's always, I feel like there's always more. Yes, so always. Fact, maybe it's just me. <laughs> I don't know. But... No, it's life. It, there's <laughs> always more. That's the old thing about growing our souls. There's always more. There's always, always. more. Yeah, always. always. Awakening to forgiveness, forgiveness yeah. gave me more than I could have ever imagined, ever yeah. imagined. And uh, it was the power it takes to heal your own hearts. It, it really starts with us. Uh, and there are, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's really quite amazing. You see, because without trusting that we can heal, there's no moving forward. And without hope, um, there's no sense of tomorrow. Yeah. And I always hoped that I could heal, and I, I did. And I healed with, with love, because without love, I found... Um, there was nothing. There really was nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And without hope, I love how you said without hope, there's no sense of tomorrow. So mm -mm. I'd love to ask you about your sense of tomorrow. I mean, your vision for a better world, if you know, you were able to do this work and share it and it rippled out in the world. I mean, what would your vision be for a better mm. world? Mm. Well, the grace of forgiveness is, for me, it's a heavenly bridge of possibility. Yeah. And uh, my vision is to unveil the richness of forgiveness and look beyond the standard definition of, of forgiveness to better align our, the words we use with the wisdom of our heart's own language. Mm -hmm. And I... You're, we are our own destiny, right? Yeah. So we can. We are our own destiny. No one can step in for us and say, okay, I'm your destiny. That's what it is. So everything that we experience, that you experience, that I have came under the direction of my absolute direction of my own divine, my own free will. So my vision is to create this transparent opening for a conversation that's long overdue on suppressed training pain and trauma that's been associated with uh, generational grief, ancestral grief, generational, and I, I can use the words pain, grief, trauma um, simultaneously. Because to view forgiveness from a different perspective as, it, as a unique opportunity to heal 
without losing the validation and integrity of their own story of of anyone's story i didn't lose the i my i validated my story i didn't lose the integrity of my story when i forgave um yeah. and my my mother in the situation as a matter of fact it was such a freedom for my soul as well as hers yeah so it's it's forgiveness in this way awakening to it um is I, I healed my traumas and and I know that others can do it as well. Yeah. Now one of the things we talk about as sacred change makers is a, a, our soul's calling. And mm. and this feels very much as you speak to it like your soul calling. And I wondered, you know, how did you hear? I mean, was there a moment in time where you thought this is what my soul's calling me to do now? Or was it just gradual? Well, I'll um, return to when my husband passed. Yeah. And when he died, um, my attention uh, it to the grief was amplified. But yet I also noticed, I, I, was, I thought, what is this? There was something more to what was transpiring with me. Um, and the only way that I, I truly can explain it is I was, you know, soul connections, obviously, yes, as we know, as, or as I, I can share here are real. Mm-hmm. And while they're not necessarily easy to navigate, there's a wisdom lens in our soul's experience with someone that allows us uh, for me, for for all of us, although we may not understand it, growing and healing. So it was very interesting. Um, my husband had said to uh, someone that I did not know as hospice nurse. He said, "Make sure she writes." And I thought, "Isn't that interesting? What is that all about?" And I sat with him as an intuitive. And I've communicated with those cross the air, um, uh, which my husband was at, at that time. And I said to him, hmm, isn't this interesting? What is this all about? And I began journaling. And out of the journaling became, I began uh, having conversations with my guides on uh, my uh, childhood grief. And I, they were talking to me about uncovering. There was more to uncover. So that's where it began. And it was interesting. That's, I would assumed, that's what I assumed. That's what he meant about, is she going to write? But as I began to write, um, outpoured uh, my childhood. And then I said, that's when I realized that I'd been, my mother had been blindsided by trauma. And so had I. But the emotions of the experience as I said, I absorbed over time. And I knew then that, yes, because I heard mm, awakened woman and I thought, well, no, there are, I'm speaking to one, there are millions of awakened women, oh, millions of awakened souls. What are you talking about? And that's when um, forgiveness, it just, it didn't go away. And mm. uh, so bit by bit, I unearthed awakened forgiveness. Mm. I love that. And it, it feels very much like your legacy work, Karen. 
Yeah. So I just wonder what your hope is for this work going out into the world. My hope is that, um, well, that people will meet forgiveness with an open heart. Because when you meet forgiveness with an open heart, and, and in this way, it's intentional, you know, to stepping in, it's stepping into the light of the heart allows the darkness to dissipate. Mm-hmm. And the when we pay attention to the, which I did, as I just explained, to the underbelly of our heartache, every painful break that's that we feel is a loving opportunity to grow our soul if we allow it. And if we don't allow it, the emotions of the experience, again, will say, well, something that we will absorb over time. And at some point, in order to live our life fully, we have to, we must. This is what I did. Reconcile the brokenness of the life I lived across time. That's really what I did. I reconciled my brokenness. Yeah. And that's what I would hope for humanity. Because we can't, I, I feel very strongly and um, I'm very, I get emotional just thinking about it, that this is, we've, we've arrived at the opening right now because sometimes we stand in reluctance of our own blind spots for so long before it unfolds into what can be a divine experience. But as I said, um, I, I think I mentioned previously that soul work is gritty. It's not, it's not comfortable. It's really not comfortable, you know, but it's so it's, it really isn't. It's, and anyone, as we all have navigated a story of, of uh, complex sorrows in our life, we, we have, we have to translate them. And the heart is willing to be a, a, a spirit translator if we allow it. Language is our vehicle, Jane, mm. and, and, and words can enslave us or they can empower us. Yeah, yeah, words, I truly believe that. Yes. I do. And one thing's coming to me. I was, um, I was once in um, uh, Bali, well, Thailand, and um, on a small island, and there was a funeral um, happening there. And they make a, like a funeral pyre on the beach and everybody dances around it. It's like a party. Mm-hmm. And it really stood in stark contrast for me as to the way that the people in Thailand almost celebrate the life on someone's passing and the way that we have very different rituals and conversations and words that we say, language that we use around grief that I, I feel really sets up a very different experience on someone's death than what I saw and experienced in Thailand. And it was just so uh, incredibly, it was almost like the polarities. And it was the first time I'd ever experienced anything so light and joyful and happy <laughs> around death. And I was like, wow, that's so different. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yes. right completely yeah. different to what I'd seen. Cause I personally really don't like funerals at all. Um, I don't either. 
and so that whole (laughs) yeah and so the rituals that we have as well you know set up a certain kind of dialogue around death they do yeah and the patterns and they do and um uh, we care again we the rituals that we have and we carry uh, what do we do with our grief when someone? I was just discussing this uh, over the, um, you know, the uh, maybe two or three weeks now. A dear friend of mine uh, was uh, seeing someone um, for a, an extended period of time, close to a year, and he passed away suddenly. And uh, she, it, it's it's hurting, and so we were discussing uh, grief. We were discussing her pain, and I was sharing with her. Um, my grief, uh, yes, I felt this way. I felt, and she said, you know, Karen, I now understand what you mean. I understand it when you spoke to grief before and we openly discussed it and, and how you turned it. This is when I felt to, in the moment. This is how I feel. When, when someone I know is grieving, I don't say, how are you? I say, how are you? How are you today? How are, how, I, I usually say, how are you today? I say, how are you doing? How are you doing right now? Yeah. How are you doing right now? Because it could change in an hour. Yeah. It could change in a moment. And when everyone is said and gone and the calls stop coming in and, you know, the, the, the beauty of, of grieving with a, uh, with friends or with family is the covered dishes come in, the cards come in, but when everything is said and done, what do you do with that? Where are you? And, um, you know, I, I share with folks a a few things that they could do um, uh, to release grief in one form um, when we're, when we're uncovering, when I'm working with someone, but also uh, to take some time, take time to, speak to the soul, take time to light a candle at night. And uh, don't, you know, if you want to uh, send a text message to that person, do so. They're, they're still in, in your phone. They may not respond, but if that's what assists, do so. Mm-hmm. Whatever it, you feel, you know, comfortable in, in the moment. And if you want to call me in the middle of the night, please feel free to do so because when you're reach out and speak, we speak about it and trust that, um, you know, time may not heal all wounds for everyone. Right. People says time heals all wounds. And we hear that, Oh, they're past. They're gone. Um, they'll get over it. They'll move on. Um, mm-hmm. that I call BS. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I have a a friend at the moment who fairly recently lost a child and she has said, time will never, I just need to, will never heal this. I just need to learn how to live with it. And, and I think that's true. I do. So yeah, thank you for speaking to that. And it sounds so beautiful what you're doing for your friend because as you said right at the very beginning of our call, just to be there, to witness. To be a witness. It's very powerful. To be a witness. And we don't, um, 
what you talked of in the ceremony, um, they were witnessing the beauty of this person. And uh, we're not taught that in our society here uh, to be a witness to someone, just to hold their hand and to be with them. And not necessarily in the physical, but to know that I am here for you. Yeah. Yeah. Through the, my mom will be, tomorrow's her birthday, and she would have been 99. And uh, she's gone, oh goodness, I think uh, uh, maybe 36 years now, right? So yeah. I still, she is, um, I speak with her daily. Uh, I feel her. I, um, I love her. And another thing, Jane, this is coming to mind. I will share this. We speak to the soul that passes as we loved them. When I was a child, I bristled. That bristle through me. I thought, oh, gosh, what do you mean? You know, I didn't know and I, I, didn't, I, I didn't ask anyone, what do you mean you love them? Don't you still love them? That's what I thought as a child. I was so confused. I was like, where do, I, do they go? Do we, do we stop loving them? What do we say? Do we, yeah. you know, I mean, and that's what I will share with everyone I know that when they say, oh, I loved them. You'll see it. You'll see it in posts when people write or how you love them. No, I love them. Love is infinite. It doesn't go anywhere. And the love I have with my, my husband today, it's enriching. It's, it's um, uh, uh, the beauty of the relationship that I have with those across the air, my parents, my husband, my friends, my relatives. It's enriching when I speak to them. It's, 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 it's spectacular, actually. Many might not understand that, but that's what it is. It's like, really? And I, yes, I yeah. feel it. And the more we speak to our loved ones, you know, they didn't go anywhere. We just, yeah. they left the shell of our body, the sacred vessel. Yeah. But they're still right here. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love the way you speak about this so openly and so transparently and so easily, you know, which has not been my experience around, you know, these kinds of conversations around grief and trauma. So I just love, it's so refreshing to talk to you about this, Karen. So I'm noticing the time and I'm going to ask you a final question. If there was something that you hoped we'd get to today, something you'd want to share with our listeners, what might it be? If I healed my traumas, then you can do it as well. Lovely. If I healed my traumas, um, there is more of my story um, on my website. Yeah. And I, uh, there will be, uh, there will be times in our lives when we experience what we think we can never heal, ever. Mm. Uh, and I have a laundry list that I thought I could never heal, and I did. And I am who I am, but I am certainly not who I was. And if I could heal my traumas, then you can do it too. Lovely. Oh my gosh, Karen, thank you so much for, thank you. for coming on today. <laughs> thank I you. love the way you just empowered everyone in that short sentence. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having me, Jane. It's been a pleasure. So welcome. Okay, guys, that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening in. 
Before we go, though, let me ask you, are you passionate about change? Are you looking for maybe a little more meaning and purpose in your life? If so, we want to invite you to visit us at sacredchangemakers.com, where you can sign up for our five-day program, Awakening the Changemaker Within. It's free to all podcast listeners. And just come home, come home to yourself at your very core. We believe that within each of us lies the possibility for us to unleash our full potential. Change can be a regenerative force for good. And all change begins within as personal transformation, which can then be expressed within our professional lives and ultimately has the potential to create a regenerative social impact in our world. Again, you can find our free program at sacredchangemakers.com. And our growing network of changemakers are actually our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. So if our episode resonated with you today, we hope you'll consider joining us. And for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the work you do to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love. <laughs>